Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, are we ready for the word this morning? All righty. Well, listen, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the word. Uh, we're going to be in a couple of uh, uh, passages of scripture today, but we're going to start in Luke chapter 22. And the title of the message this morning is Embracing God's Will for Your Life. Embracing God's Will for Your Life. You know, God, He has a will and a plan for your life. Did you know that? He has a plan for your life. And His desire and His hope is that we would embrace God's will for our life. You know, a lot of times, you know, I remember being a young man. Um, whenever I was in college and I was always searching, trying to find out what is God's will for my life? What is it that he wants me to do? And, and I'm always, always asking that question. And maybe you have asked that question yourself. You know, what is God's plan for my life? What is his will for my life? You know, well, what is God's will? Well, we're going to take a look at that. But one of the things that is true is that God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. You know, it's sad to imagine that there are many people who go throughout life and imagine that there is no purpose for their life. They imagine that their life has no meaning. Like, but let me tell you that that is the opposite from the truth. Because anything that God creates, he creates with purpose. Especially those who are created in his image. He has given you a plan and a purpose that he has called you to. And his desire and his hope is that you will walk in that plan in which he has created for you to do. And listen, he's created you and he has given you all that you need to fulfill those, that very thing that he has called you to do. But at times people imagine, well, God can't use me. Or, you know, I've messed up too many times. There's no way that he can use me. Or why would God even want to use me? Well, let me tell you, God is in the business of using people that many others would never imagine. He is in the business of taking something or someone who was far from God. The word of God says that we were dead at one point and making them alive, filling those jugs, you know, there were empty jugs that, that Jesus, that he filled with water, and he filled it to the brim, and it was overflowing. Jesus is looking to fill us and overflow us in our life. He is giving you a plan and a purpose. But, you know, at times we can imagine, you know, okay, I have a plan in my, you know, I have a plan, I have a purpose, but at times we will compare ourselves, try to measure how successful we are in our purpose comparative to what other people have done. But let me tell you, that is not, that is not a healthy way and it's not the way that God measures success. 
what he has called you to, he, is, he has prepared you for, and it has nothing to do with what anybody else, he has marked out a race that's just for you. And it's according to his will. You know, God has a will, and the plan that he has for your life fits in his will, his ultimate will, which we're going to talk about. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, and um, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus, he had just finished instituting communion with his disciples. Judas has already left, and he is going to get ready to arrest Jesus in the place that where he knew he would be because he customarily went to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And from there, he is headed to that very place in which he would eventually be arrested, taken to trial, and then eventually put on the cross to die for our sins. So let's go ahead and pick up. We're going to read four verses here, verses 39 through 42. So Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 42, it starts out, and he says this, he came out and he went as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And this was his prayer, verse 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, this, was, this is a very interesting prayer to me coming from Jesus. You know, out of all the prayers that he's prayed, this is one that's always been interesting to me. You know, Jesus, he came for one purpose and one purpose only while he fulfilled many things His purpose was to come and to do what we could not, to die and to take on our sins to pay for the penalty so that we can be forgiven. That was the whole reason why he came. And here he is at the doorstep of that moment. And he is getting ready, being prepared for this moment. And in his humanity, because remember, Jesus is God. He was God and he is God, but he was also fully human like you and me. He was human like you and me. And in his humanity, in this moment, Jesus was struggling. It's interesting to think about because, you know, it, it makes us realize that Jesus understands us more than we give him credit for. When we go to him in prayer He can relate to us more than we can imagine. Jesus is struggling. In fact, in other other accounts, it says that he was so stressed that he was sweating blood. So this is, I mean, we, we can only imagine if we knew that we were in this situation. You know, if us, you know, we would have darted out of there. I mean, we would have been gone. But Jesus, what he prays, he says, Father, if you are willing Remove this cup from me. He was, a, uh, he was approaching the greatest test, the greatest moment, the most difficult task known in humanity. 
and the human race he's about to take on. And he, although he knew it would come to this, it came to a moment in time where he is struggling. And in this prayer that he prays, he reveals a few things. Very revealing. Some things that he reveals that are important for us to take notice of. One of the things that I see is Jesus reveals that God has a will. God has a will. In fact, God has a sovereign will. It says here, he says, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He was pointing to his sovereign will. Sovereign means to reign over all, to be incomplete, to, to completely reign over all. God, he has a will that, it, that completely reigns over all. Because he is, he is sovereign, his will is sovereign. It is his ultimate will. And it is a will that uh, nothing can stop his sovereign will. In other words, he is going to make sure that his will comes to pass. You know, there will be a rapture. Regardless of what happens, according to his sovereign will, there will be a rapture. The devil, he will be destroyed. He will. There's nothing that he or anybody else can do. It's going to happen. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to happen. You can book it. That is his sovereign will. It's going to happen. He is, Jesus was pointing to his sovereign will. And what we know about his sovereign will is that it is good. His sovereign will is a good will. Why? Because he is good. Everything that he does is good. And it, and, and it ultimately involves the best for everyone involved. His will is meant for good, and it's meant for the best for everyone who partakes in it. And Jesus understood something, that because he is sovereign, God knows best. He knows best. Jesus said, not my will but your will be done. He knew that his father knew what was best. So we see that God has a sovereign will. And when you read it even more, you see also that not only do we see God's sovereign will in this prayer, but we also see in his humanity that Jesus had a will, showing that we too have a will. You have a will. It says, not my will. This is your free will. God has given you a free will. He has given you the ability to choose. While he has a sovereign will, he has given you free will. And he has given you the ability to create and to have your, an ultimate will for your life. You get to choose ultimately what you are going to do. 
It's your free will. You have been given the choice on whether you will build your life in a way that will honor God, in a way that, that, uh, that, that follows according to his will, or you can build your life in a way according to your own way, according to your own plan. And listen, it is, it is your free will. Now, we may think, why would God give us free will? Now, that's a loaded question that I have some answers to according to the scripture, but I don't want to, I'm not going to get into it all, but I will say simply one of the reasons why I believe that God has given us a free will is because he loves you. It's because he loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to give you the opportunity to choose because love has to be free. Let me tell you what I mean. If I coerced my wife into marrying me, which I didn't, by the way. I did not. You can ask her yourself. Don't tell them the truth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if I coerced my wife into marrying me and telling her to love me and to tell her that she and to tell me that she loves me, that wouldn't be real love. Even if she told me, even if she said it because she's coerced into saying it, it wouldn't be real love because it's not free. In the same way, because God loves us, one of the reasons why he has given us free will is because he loves us and he wants us to have the opportunity to choose and to choose him. His desire, he, just, he doesn't want to coerce anyone into making a decision. His desire and his hope is that we would choose him, but he has given you free will to do so. So God has a sovereign will. You have a free will. And also what we see is that God desires for your will and his will to be aligned. God desires for your will and his will to be in line. That's his hope and his desire. Because again, God's will is eternally, and it, it is ultimately and eternally good. His will for your life is good. God, he wants you to be blessed. He wants to bless you. That's his desire. According to his will, he wants to bless you. He also wants to cover you. He wants to protect you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to help you. According to his will, he wants what's good for you. That's his desire. But in order to have access to those blessings, we must align our will with his will. Now, that's important. That's really important because it's not the other way around. God does not change his will. He does not align his will with our life. He does not change his plan to meet our plans. Remember, he is sovereign. He reigns over all. He is in complete control. He, he, 
He sustains the entire universe, even our bodies. He holds it all together. This is what he does. He is in control. He does not align his will with our will. It's the other way around. He is the one who knows best. We must align our will with his will. It makes me think about growing up in my mama's house. You know, my mom, she wanted me to be blessed. She wanted me. She wanted me and my siblings to be blessed. But she wasn't getting me everything I wanted. As much as I wanted things and I wanted, you know, you know she wasn't going to get me everything. She couldn't get me everything. But she wanted me to be blessed. But she didn't give me everything that I asked for. You know, it makes me also think about my children. As a father, I want them to be blessed. We want our children to be blessed. I, I want to bless them. But I don't get every single thing that they ask for, I don't get for them. I mean, some things are just silly. Like, they don't even make sense. Like, you want a helicopter? <laughs> Nora asked me for a helicopter one day. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Maybe I'll get her a toy helicopter. And of course, I want to give her, I want to give my daughters the moon. You know, I've got, I've got four daughters. I want to give them everything. But there are some things that I can't give them because some things aren't good for them. They don't know. They're just asking according to what they want. And many times we ask God for things that we want, but, those are, but not everything that we ask for is good for us. He is in control. He knows what is best. We must align our will with his will. So how do we do that? He, God has a sovereign will, an ultimate will. God has given us free will. And he desires that we would align our will with his. So how, how do we do that? Well, Jesus teaches us how we can do that very thing. And we find it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Jesus, he is teaching his disciples along with a large crowd how to pray. And he tells them to pray like this. He says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. He encourages them that when they pray, when they pray, when you pray to the Lord, when you pray to your father, pray that his kingdom will come and pray that his will would be done in our life. It says here on earth. Now, I believe it is important that when we pray, that we pray for God's will to be done on earth, that we should pray that his will will be done for our nation. We should pray that because we need God to deliver our nation, that we should pray that God would be back in the schools, that we should pray that some of these politicians would get saved, get born again, and help turn the ship around. You know, we should pray for our schools. We should pray for our family, for our community, for God's will to be done on earth in Israel and everywhere around the world. We should pray. But I also believe that when he says on earth that we can also see it as my world, as your world. Lord, may your will be done in my world, in my life. 
May your will be done, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. What is he saying here? He's saying that, Lord, while I have a will for my life, I set my will aside and that your will would be done in my life. We do it by submitting to his will, by submitting to his authority. God's desire is that we would align our will with his, and the way we do it is by submitting to him, saying, God, may your will be done in my life. Lord, your plan, your will, Lord, you can use it in my life. That's what he encourages his people to pray. Now, if we're being honest, okay, if we're being honest, there is a part of us that does not like submitting, okay? If we're being honest, you know, there are certain situations, it makes it more difficult for us to submit. For whatever the reason may be, we don't like submitting in certain situations. You know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but maybe it makes us feel like we have to become less than. There's a part of us that we lose. I don't, I don't know how to put it, but there's a part of us that, that doesn't like submitting. But as we already know, that thought process is not of God. In fact, Jesus submitted to the Father while he was here on earth. Everything that Jesus did, he did according to what he saw his Father doing. And in doing so, he never stopped being God. He never stopped being the Son of God. He was always he was always the son of God every time that he submitted. Not a part, he never lost any part of him. You know, uh, uh, it also makes me think that there is a place where that mindset originates, and it comes from Satan himself. You know, Satan, he himself, uh, he did not want to submit to God because he wanted to be God. And because he wanted to be God, he was kicked out of heaven, exiled from heaven, and while he may be the God of this world, little g, God of this world, as 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, his day is coming. He will be destroyed. But Jesus, as our perfect example, he submitted himself to God. He never stopped being God. In fact, I would say, that Jesus was at his best whenever he was submitted to God. What I mean is that Jesus was perfect. He was perfect. And in his perfection, he was always submitted to the Father. He was always submitted to God. He was at his best. In his perfection, he was always submitting himself to God. And similarly, we too are at our best whenever we submit ourselves to God. It's the best option on the table every single day. The best option that we have every day is to submit our will to his will. It's the best option that we have available to us. And not only that, but when we submit to him, it, we access the blessings that he has for us. God, he wants to bless us. 
And when we align our will with his will, we will be blessed. You know, it makes me think, you know, you know it reminds me that Jesus, while he was submitted to God, he went to the cross, he died. But on the third day, the Bible says that he was, real, he, he was, real, he was raised from the dead, excuse me. And then he was, he, was, he was exalted and ascended into heaven where he was exalted to the highest place. And he is seated at the right hand of God, and he was given the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He was submitted to God. God's desire and his will for our life is good. And when we submit our will to his will, then his goodness, his plan, his blessings come along. So when we say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, what we're saying is, Lord, although I have a plan for my life, although I have goals I want to accomplish, which are all good, although I have things that I want to do in my life for my family, for myself, all of those things are true. Lord, with that being said, I want your will ultimately to be done in my life. I have my plans, but Lord, your will be done in my life first. I lay aside those plans if necessary. I lay them aside so that you can have your will done through me, through my life. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And let me tell you, there is no better place to be than in the will of God. There is no better place. You know, there are times in life where we can ask questions, am I doing the right thing? Am I in, am I in the right place? Did I make the right decision? But when you are in the will of God, you don't have to worry about it. When you are in the will of God, he is going to take care of everything. So let us align our will with his will. So, Understanding that God has a sovereign will and that, he has, and that he has given us a free will and that his desire is for us to align our will with his will, and we do that by submitting to him, understanding that what is God's will for your life? What is God's will for your life? Well, I can say it in just a few ways. Number one, God's will for your life is for you to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, that's his greatest will for your life, is for you to be saved, for you to place your faith in him if you have not done so, to place your faith in him, to give him your life and so that he can save your soul. That's the greatest ultimate will for your life is that you would be born again. And if you have been saved, secondly, God's will for your life is that you would love God with all of your heart. That you would love him with all of your heart. That you would pursue him. That you would draw close to him. And that you would draw close to him every day. That every day we would draw closer to him. That's his will for your life is to draw closer to him. And thirdly, God's will for your life is that you would love your neighbor as yourself. His desire is that 
you would love those around you so that they can experience the very same thing that you have experienced through Christ. His desire is that your light would shine and that people will be drawn to Christ because of your life. That is his will. Now, God, he has a way that he will walk those things out, but that ultimately is God's will for your life, is that you would be saved, that you would draw closer to him, and that you would be a light to others and to love others so that they can come to Christ as well. That is God's plan and his will for your life. I remember being in college, and I remember getting books. Man, I just, I it just sounds so silly now, but I mean, I would, I, I would check out books. I'd buy books. You know, they didn't have Amazon back then, so you had to actually go to the bookstore. I'm talking to you guys, uh, uh, teenagers. You know, you have to actually go to the bookstore to buy a book. I remember those days. And uh, today, you just order on Amazon, but... I remember going and, and, and getting books on, you know, knowing God's will for my life. And I would, I would strain so hard and praying, Lord, show me your will. What's your will for my life? You know, and I, I just get a just funny thought in my mind, just thinking, dude, will you be quiet? It's right in front of you. And God was trying to show me I was in his will. I had already gotten saved. I was drawing close to Jesus. And I was doing my best to draw people to him. And he was guiding me along the way. Let me tell you, as long as you are doing those things, you are in God's will. When we are obedient to him, we we are in God's will. And that is the best place that you and I could ever be, is in his will. Amen? So a few takeaways. Number one, realize that God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for you, and it's meant for good. If you've ever wondered, can God use me? Yes, he can. Will God ever forgive me? Yes, he will, and yes, he has. But what about my past? What about all the things that I've done? God has a plan for your life. Listen, if God can use the Apostle Paul, come on, somebody. Dude was killing Christians. If God can use the Apostle Paul, he can use you. He wants to use you. In fact, without you knowing, he probably has used you already. He has a plan for you, for your family. It's a plan for you, for your family. Whether, whether as a parent, whether as a spouse, as a sibling. He has a plan for you as a business owner. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for you as an employee. He has a plan for you in every arena of your life. God has a plan for you, and his desire is that we would embrace his plan and his purpose for our life. He has a purpose for you. Don't believe the lie that the devil wants you to believe that you have missed your calling or that God will not use you. That is trash. That is from the devil. God will use you. Amen? He has a plan for you. He has a purpose, and that is the truth. Secondly, because he has a plan for your life, trust God 
by submitting to his authority. Submit to his will for your life. Submit to it. What that looks like is knowing what the Lord wants you to do. Step in and make those steps. Getting into the word of God. Spending time in prayer. Like today, being in church. And also making sure that we are loving God, building our relationship with Jesus, and being a light, reaching out to others to love our neighbors so that they can see Jesus as well. That's how we submit to his authority, through our obedience. You know, Jesus, he submitted to the will of God when he went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, his obedience opened up a door for many other people to be blessed. By the way, that was you. It was all of us. Through Jesus, through his obedience, it opened up a door for us all to receive that blessing. And the same is true in your life. Your obedience opens up a door for someone else's blessing. Whether it be them coming to Christ, whether it be them recommitting their life to Christ, getting back in church, receiving prayer, being encouraged by your life, pointing them back to him, whatever it may be, your obedience, sometimes we don't know. You know, we do the same thing over and over and over again every single day, and it becomes a joy, it becomes a love, but sometimes you may ask, you know, you, 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 know, you may wonder, why am I doing this? Well, the Lord, he has a plan for it. He is using your obedience to reach people that you may not even know about. Through your obedience, even through our giving, what we have been able to do around the world is incredible. It's through your obedience, people's lives are transformed and changed. Trust God by submitting, by obeying him. So realize that God has a plan for your life. Trust God by submitting to his authority through your obedience. And number three, seek God first. What do I mean by that? Seek God first. Maybe you have been searching and seeking for God's plan for your life, for God's purpose for your life, and you're wondering and, and searching for it. Well, let me encourage you Stop searching for God's plan for your life and just seek God. Because when you seek God, when you seek the Lord, he will guide you. He will guide you into your plan and your purpose. He will open up those doors. He will open up the doors that you're supposed to because it's according to his will, his sovereign will, his ultimate will. And when we are submitted to him and we draw closer to him, guess what? He's going to guide you straight into what he, what he has called you to do. And that's all it is. He will take care of the rest. He's going to pay for what, he has, for what he has ordered. He will. He will make sure. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let us seek God first. And you know, one of my favorite things about our church is that as a church, we do that very thing. We seek his kingdom. We are a kingdom-building church, whether it's planning churches, 
whether it's feeding the hungry, whether it's seeing people born again, whatever it may be, we are doing those things to build a kingdom of God. You are in a place to, making sure, to make sure that you are doing that. But let us seek God first. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, we're going to pray. And um, as I mentioned before, God's greatest desire is that if you don't know Jesus, that you would be born again. That is his greatest desire. And I remember going to church as a young man, going to, you know, I got invited to, uh, to a youth church. And, um, man, I, I only went because they told me there was basketball and there was a cute girl, so I kept going. And, um, but every single night I heard about Jesus. There was not one time that I left where I was not given an opportunity to receive Jesus. Now, I never went up there. <laughs> I always said no until one day. One day, the Lord was working on my heart, and one day, I realized I needed Jesus. And I went to the front. I bowed my knee, and I gave my life to Jesus, and he transformed me from the inside out. I still remember that moment, getting up and realizing, like, it, it felt so different. I wasn't the same person. God changed me. And I would be remiss if I was to leave here without giving someone an opportunity to receive Jesus. This is what we do. So if you're here today, maybe you have not placed your faith in Jesus. Maybe you have been thinking about it. It's been weighing on you, but you just haven't done it yet. Well, today is your day. You can be born again. You can be saved. The word of God tells us that all you have to do is to place your faith in Jesus. You know, he came for one reason and one reason only, and that was to die so that you could be born again, to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. So if you're here today, we're going to pray a prayer, every one of us together. We're going to pray a prayer. So go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And God knows where you're at today. And if you know that you need Jesus, you want to give your life to him, when we pray this prayer, I want you to mean it. In church, we're going to pray this together. But if you're here today and you're praying that prayer for the first time, I want you to mean it because today God is going to save your soul. Pray with me like this. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. And I open up my heart and I pray that you would come into me now. Be my savior, forgive me of my sins, and wash me in your blood, and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. The word of God says that when one person comes to Christ, that all of heaven celebrates. So if we could, let's put our hands together because somebody got saved. Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.